Welcome to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Foresight. At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Please enjoy the rest of our show. We're so glad that you're here for the Leadership Podcast today. I have probably one of my dearest friends in ministry joining me today. Jeannie Stevens is one of the lead pastors of a church called Soul City Church in the dynamic West Loop neighborhood of Chicago. Amazing church, amazing people, and I love the city of Chicago. Uh, they began the church in the fall of 2010, and the ride and the journey has been amazing. And Jeannie will give you a bit of that story as we dive in today. Uh, But she's been on staff at Willow Creek Community for like 11 years, North Point Community Church for four years. So some of the most influential, largest churches here in the state. And so her experience and the leaders she's been able to learn from and and learn with has been phenomenal. Uh, She has been, she's a teacher, pastor. She speaks into the lives of thousands of people around the world. And she just has this passion to help people live from the fullest authentic part of who they are. And she just has a really unique voice of hope and challenge for people. I have experienced that personally, both. I love, I love the dynamic of hope and challenge. And that is truly Jeannie, who you are. So (laughs) tell us a little bit more. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. Welcome to the show. I love that you even just said that. It's so, it's so fun. fun right? I'm so proud of you for launching this. And Finally. Uh, it's so good. And it's, it's a little spurring on to me to, to always be the kind of leader that tries new things mm-hmm. and takes risks and steps out there. And you do such a good job of making sure that you don't hold all of the good things that God has given to you mm-hmm. to yourself, but you share it with others. So it was a absolute yes, yes, yes to uh, be on your show. Uh, so, it's, fun. So uh, fun. it's so fun. So thank you so much for having me. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to talk about leadership. I'm thrilled to talk about growing as leaders and developing as leaders and what it looks like to be filled with hope and filled with challenge because it is all of that. And then so <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Of light and dark all the time. And so I'm thrilled to, to be here. Awesome. Well, give us a little bit of picture of your, I didn't even in the bio hit wife, mom, like so <laughs> give us a picture of Jeannie's world. Okay, so uh, Jeannie's world, uh, right now it's summer, which is my favorite season. Uh, so it's a little bit less uh, on the rigid schedule. Uh, I have two kids. Uh, my son Elijah is 12. He is going into seventh grade and I can hardly believe he is going to become a teenager. So crazy. That is not possible. Uh, yeah. Cause when you met him, he was just a little, little, yeah. Cause I, when we met, well, we met before even Gigi was born. Yes. Yes. So, yes. so he was like a little, little bitty. Yes. He yeah. was a little bitty. And uh, now he's 12, and last night we did the back-to-back, and he swears he's almost uh, ahead of me. He's, uh-huh. not, he's not yet, but... Uh, he's such so, a cute kid. Oh, he's the best. Uh, he's the best. He's got this cool bleached hair this summer. And he's so, like, hipster cool, but he's, like, sweet. Yes, okay. and he's not hipster cool because of me, Jenny. <laughs> That's all Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> That's my husband, Jared. So, I love um, it. Yeah, so uh, Elijah is 12, uh, Gigi is 10, 
and um, she is the Barefoot Contessa, Joanna Gaines. She's remarkable. Slash, um, I don't know. She told me, she asked me the other day if Oprah Winfrey also cooked. And I was like, well, I'm sure she does. And I said, why? She goes, well, because I, I, I want to make sure that I'm following in her footsteps because I'm going to take over what she does one day. I was like, all right, then. I love her uh, dreams. I <laughs> know, uh, right? Oh, my gosh. I, I do threaten you from time to time that I'm going to adopt Gigi or... She's remarkable. Somebody, I mean, it, I, I don't know where she came from. So she's remarkable. She um, has taken over the cooking in our house, which I'm not complaining about. Right? Uh, yeah, so she's 10. Um, and Jarrett and I have been married for... This August will be 22 years. Oh, I don't know how that's possible because in my head, that old. I still feel like I'm 22. So um, how right. I've been married for 22 years, I'm not even sure. So right. he is the love of my life, my best friend, my partner. Uh, we started Soul City Church together mm-hmm. seven years ago, and it has been the ride of our lives. And so, yeah, so that's me not just the pastor and the, um, but that's what my life looks like. I have two dogs. Why we have two, I don't know, but (laughs) Moses and Louie, uh, are our, our dogs. We live in the city of Chicago. Um, my kids are in it. They're in Chicago public schools. We are right in the mix of all things urban, all things Mm -hmm. city life of, that. Uh, so it's both beautiful and it's really challenging at times. So yeah, that, that's a little bit about me. So good. It's so good. I actually, I want to jump to like the launch of soul city. I have a zillion questions for you Mm -hmm. and for everybody listening, like Jeannie, Jeannie is one of those friends who always is one of the biggest encouragers and cheerleaders for me. And yet also will say the hard thing and ask the tough question. And just that beautiful mix of of friend that that is committed really to your your growth and development as a person um, and as a Christ follower and you just you just pull that out of me which I really really love. Thank One you. of the things I uh, just respect so much about you guys is that decision to plant a church in Chicago. So if we look at your story, you know, you guys jumped into ministry, really committed to that sense of call in, to ministry. I think for both you and Jared, as I understand, you can clarify that, but. Um, had huge opportunity to work at some of the largest churches, you know, experiencing great momentum. And then you get this sense of we're supposed to launch this thing in inner city Chicago. So pick that story up for us and talk about that leap of faith and what it required of you guys as leaders. Because I think it really gives people a sense of just who you are and, you know, how God is like directed and called you. And then your faith and obedience in that is what's stunning. Yeah. You know, I uh, thank you. And it has changed me and transformed me. It has turned me inside out, upside down. I am not the same leader that I was seven years ago. That is for sure. Uh, and as you mentioned, when we were starting the show, we had such a privilege of working at Willow Creek for 11 years, then North Point for four. So, you know, for 15 years, I was in these highly uh, developmental leadership cultures that pulled so much out of me, gave me opportunity. I got to see uh, churches that were growing and thriving and people using their gifts. And I was given opportunities at a really young age that probably I shouldn't have even been given. Um, So I'm so grateful. 
And yeah, I think we could have just continued on that path of professional Christian, um, noticeable kingdom work. Totally. Noticeable. Yes. That's a big word. And, uh, you know, thus enter the Holy Spirit and thus enter the uh, change in the story. Nothing was bad about our lives. In fact, we, you know, we were at North Point at the time. I love Andy. He is still one of my um, favorite people in all the world. Um, there are moments where I'll reach out to him and say, what, what do I do? How should I, you know, still to this day, awesome. he is such a great um, friend, mentor, voice. I'm so deeply grateful for uh, Andy and North Point. Um, I will sing their praises uh, forever and ever and ever. And yet uh, there was this sense that God was just whispering, I have something more for you. It wasn't as if our story was bad or there was something difficult. It was right. just this whisper of, I have something more. And both Jarrett and I received it. Both of us were feeling it. Um, there was this sense of, I think we're being called into a holy adventure. Wow. And, uh, you know, we actually pulled away for a few days, did a personal life plan with a dear friend and, you know, in the life planning process, for those people that have ever done it, there's an exercise where you look through your turning point moments. Yeah. And um, it was that turning point moment exercise where I kept looking at all the turning points in my life. Mm-hmm. And the common thread was that God was doing a transformational work at every turning point. And we were looking at our present moments and getting this sense that there was a turning point happening. And both of us had this sense God is asking us to walk on water. He's asking us to leave professional Christian ministry the way that we've known it and to actually become full-fledged, all-in, jump-out-of-the-boat Jesus followers. Like, go back to the book of Acts, go back to the start of the church, like push all the chips to the middle, bet the farm, all of this. And the things that we had spent 15 years preaching on very large stages that had um, lots of people sitting in seats, were we actually willing to now fully live those out? And so, you know, Jenny, I have had moments in my life where the call of God, I felt like there were options for me in it. Like it wasn't like you must turn left, you must turn right. A is is the way of God. B is not the way of God. This was one of the few times in my life though, that I felt God saying to us, this is obedience. Wow. This is is not an option. Mm -hmm. This is not a, you could do it. Um, This is obedience for you. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay then. Because yeah, that obedience came with some deep sacrifice. Oh, oh, sacrifice in a way that I didn't know sacrifice was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we left a home that we loved. We left people that we loved. We left a community that we loved. We had two small kids. We had an almost two and a half year old and a baby. We moved into the inner city of Chicago. This was in the height of the recession. So nobody had any extra money, nor did they think giving that extra money to a church plant was wise. Right. So um, we lived off of our savings. We um, cashed in our 403Bs. We, I mean, we fully, fully, fully bet the farm. 
and, um, and lived, you know, the best way I can describe it is we just lived wave after wave after wave of trusting and looking out at Jesus. I mean, that story of Peter walking on the water became real to me because I felt like day after day, another wave was coming and I was about to sink. And, you know, there's probably, I should probably see if I could find all the old text messages that I sent to uh-huh. Jared at the time where I was like, we, sh- we should stop right now. This is wow. this craziness. This yeah. is what have we done. Oh my gosh, this is hard. Um, mm-hmm. And yet, you know, our mission as a church is that we want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. In fact, going back to that life plan and those turning point moments, mm-hmm. little did I know that that turning point moment was going to lead to the mission of this church that we be all about transformation as a church. And I often say around here, I want the mission to work on me. If the mission isn't working on me, then it is not working. And I can say, uh, thoroughly and fully the mission of soul city church has transformed my life. It has transformed my life. I, I love Jesus differently. I follow Jesus differently. I, I'm not a professional Christian. I'm an all in Jesus follower. This yeah. is not about, um, you know, my, my ministry climb. This is right. not about any of that. And, um, oh. well, and that's really what I've seen demonstrated in you in that journey. You know, you and I connected and became friends while you were still at North Point. And, um, you know, just had the opportunity to keep connected. We lived in two different cities, but it was one of those, okay, kindred spirit, like when we can get time together, let's get time together. And as a friend, watching you guys take that leap of faith, and it looked kind of crazy because you were at one of the most influential churches. You were thriving. You had a great position. I had seen Mm -hmm. your beautiful house in Atlanta that was so like Mm -hmm. picture perfect for your young family. And to see you be that committed to a sense of calling and purpose was really moving because I think to some degree we've, and I'm sure, I'm sure all generations to some degree do this, but we become so comfortable and we become so comfortable with the, the, the plan we have mapped out. Yes. And we have this false sense of security of, I have the job and I have the house and I have this stuff and I like I'm doing good things. I'm working for, you know, in this case, ministry, it's good stuff. And yet that conviction that God is calling you to something. And I I love that you said it was really a step of obedience, that it was not even an option. It wasn't a, okay, there's a couple good things you could do. God's going to be pleased with either of them. You knew in this case, this is actually an act of obedience. And and then, you know, and again, I think now we fast forward and we go, wow, this, you know, remarkable growth of Soul City. And like, we all start seeing this, re- the fruit of seven plus years of yeah. faithful dedication and commitment behind the scenes. And there were really hard days. I love that you acknowledged that you're like, there were the days that I was like, Jared, should we quit? Right. Yes. And yes. I think as leaders, we need to hear that because we, again, in our, in today's culture, we see all the highlights of everybody's story. Yes. But time and time again, and I find this in myself, that I'll be impatient with, okay, the growth of foresight and what we're doing and how we're helping, you know, support leaders and organizations. And I'll be in such a rush to accomplish like some big outcome. And yet when I talk to my friends that have been in similar seasons, you know, of the organizational life, they're like, Jen, you know, no, you know, it's just, I need the perspective of 
that commitment to the faithful obedience behind the scenes. And I feel like we've lost that. And I feel like we need to hear those stories more. Yeah. And, and the best way to gain perspective is to be in the present. Right. Yes. When we go back and rehash the past or when we go out and rehearse our future, we cannot Mm. receive the perspective that God has for us in the present moment. (laughs) Say that again, Jeannie. Like, repeat yourself right there. Okay, so when we go back and we rehash the past, we Mm kind of, we live through all of what was and what was good. and, And boy, as leaders, we can make the past seem way better than it was, right? Totally. Even though it was, it could have been rocky. Um, or we can make it seem worse than it was. So when we rehash the past, uh, it is it is detrimental to our growth. When we rehearse the future, and most of us, when we rehearse the future, we worry about things that haven't even happened, For or sure. we're trying to make something occur that maybe God doesn't want to have happen. Right. And I have found that it is in the receiving of the present moment. Hmm. That's where God gives me the greatest perspective. Because, right. you know, Jenny, when I wanted to quit mm-hmm. Soul City Church or when I wanted to throw in the towel or when I wanted to um, say this is too hard, mm-hmm. it was because I was going back and rehashing the past. I was saying it was way easier at North Point. Right. It was better. Yeah. Somebody gave me an awesome budget. I didn't have to raise it. <laughs> or I was jumping out into the future and I was rehearsing a whole bunch of worries that yeah. I didn't know if they were going to come true or not. What right. if nobody comes? Right. What if we can't pay our staff? What if we can't find a building? What if we don't grow? What if this doesn't work? Right. Those were all just what ifs. But I was causing... Yeah. Um, a sense of, of pain and suffering and chaos right. in my mind. Yeah. And so my perspective was all off. And yeah. our perspective gets healthy and clear when we live in the present moment. That's where God is. That's where God dwells. And it has been so good for my own personal leadership development to go, what's happening right here, right now? Right. What is God doing in this season yeah. versus me needing to go back to a previous season or out in the future of a potential season. Yeah. Gosh, that's so good. I hope you all like really kind of leaned into that because I do, I think we're so tempted to go either direction instead of really recognizing what's yeah. here. So yeah. that kind of leads me to one of the things that I really have admired about you and our, and the journey of our friendship is just your commitment to growth and development as a leader. And I think that's one of the things we just naturally mm-hmm. like have yeah. always connected over, but when did you kind of first realize that need to be intentional in your leadership and leading yourself well? Like, was there an aha moment for you in that? What's that progression of going, I've got to pay attention to things like just perspective in the present is intentional like work to say, I've got to lead myself well. So yeah. talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, I think I'm, as, as I said, I'm so grateful for working in two churches that really valued development, mm-hmm. uh, development as a person, development as a leader, uh, development of the inner stuff. Yeah. And I'm thankful for the different people that entered into my life that really valued those things as well. So it gave me language, it gave me understanding, it gave me even a sense of appetite because I saw other leaders doing it, you know, and it, it grew my appetite for wanting to do it myself. Um, I also had some leaders along the way say some good, hard, mm-hmm. clear things to me. Um, 
in inviting me into the deeper streams of paying attention to who I am, why I do what I do, and getting underneath some of those dysfunctions and some of the consequences that could play out in my life and other people's lives. I had a leader really lovingly but sternly once say to me, I think you need to enroll in the Graduate School of Character. And it was a ouch. (laughs) Did they really just say that to me? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm so grateful for the courage Mm -hmm. that it took for that leader to say that because, you know, Jenny, I enrolled in that school and I have never graduated. Yeah. And I don't ever plan to. Right. I never planned to put a cap and gown on uh, and saying, I've, you know, I've, yeah. I've done all my work in character building and that's it. Right. And so for me as a leader, a leader that is worth following is a leader that is continuing to learn about themselves and to learn about God. A leader that says, I'm done, I've got it, it's clear, mm-hmm. all I'm going to do is just teach everybody else how to do this. Yeah. To me, they become uninteresting mm-hmm. and they become... Yes. At best, and they become uh, stale in what they have to offer. Mm -hmm. And so I want the fresh wave of the Spirit of God to always be coming out of me. So therefore, I know that I have to be opening myself over and over and over again to what's going on in me. So that has, of course, included counseling. That has included coaches. That has included lots of spiritual mentors. That has included... I got inside of a consciousness um, group, uh, group work for the last four years. And I have been doing work around uh, what does it look like to be conscious? What does it look like to be unconscious? Uh, Mindfulness. um, You know, it has included spiritual mentorship. It has included uh, mentorship of just business leaders that don't have a walk with the Lord, but allowing them to come in and shape and mold and guide into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a big believer in asking people questions over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've always got a, a notebook with me to write it yep. down. Henderson taught me that one of my mentors in my life, um, I've always got a book with me, you know, and so to always be learning and growing, um, I hope is what keeps me one humble because I'm seeing that there's so much for me to learn. Right. And on the other side of the coin, it keeps me ambitious. And um, so I've coined the two words together and I call it humbition. Uh, (laughs) I've heard you talk about this before. I love it. It's not a real word. Um, But I have, I've tried to bake it into the culture here at Soul City to be leaders that are humbitious. Right. So we're humble and open and wanting to learn, and we are hungry, hungry yeah. for more. Yeah. Um, so great. What is it? is it? Patrick Lencioni that talks about humble, hungry, smart? Right. Yeah. Yep. You know that those are the the three characteristics of great people on a team. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, ambitious. Ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, personal development is huge to me. Well, and I think it's a fight as we grow in leadership because we do find ourselves in places where we have to pour out more and more, you know, and this has been true in my story in that, you know, as you find yourself with greater responsibility and more teams or staff or volunteers or whatever your scope looks like, 
but you, that you have more people you're responsible to, it is really easy oh, yes. to, shift to, I'm just, you know, pouring out and eventually there becomes very little to pour out and becomes very forced and very like, you know, just stale. Yes. Uh, so it is a fight to make the time, to make the commitment to say, and I love that. I love the ambitious thing. I love the humble and ambitious component because it is both. And it is a, I'm not just seeking to grow because of the, my ambition and what I will, get, how I will get ahead. It, I mean, there's, there's an importance in knowing I need to, I need to be ambitiously be continuing to grow and develop, develop, but that posture of there's so much that I don't know. And there's so much that I need to learn. And, and, you know, that's just not just knowledge, but it's that emotional intelligence. It's that spiritual awareness. It's all of those dimensions of who we are as leaders and as um, followers of Christ. And how does, how do we just keep ourselves in that posture? Really practically, you mentioned a few things. What is, um, uh, what are some of those practices that are there are almost daily for you in keeping that posture? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's a great question because the hardest person any of us will ever lead Mm -hmm. are ourselves. Yeah. Uh, it's really easy to, uh, complain about other people that are hard to lead, but ultimately the hardest person you will ever lead is yourself. And so learning how to lead yourself into development to take care of your development, to put good practices of self-care, good practices of uh, healthy discipline. So for me, you know, there's been many throughout the years that have served me. And I really do believe that a good leader leads in rhythm versus uh, just balance because balance doesn't exist. Right. And so I, I will say there's not a prescription for it. Uh, you have to pay attention to the rhythm of life that you're in, the season of life that you're in, and then set some course for how you're going to take care of your development mm-hmm. and uh, where you're at. So for me right now, uh, I have two kids, their schedules, you know, I sometimes feel like a taxi driver, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So for me, I'm a morning person. So mm-hmm. I get up before anybody else in our house. Yeah. I'm the first person up and I usually will spend time in quiet, uh, just really trying to empty my mind of all that is in there. Uh, the practice of meditation has been such a gift for me. And sometimes that's five minutes. Sometimes it's a full 30 minutes of just sitting, being still playing some worship music in the background. Uh, I had a mentor teach me many years ago the importance of uh, sacred practices mm-hmm. that help you remember things. So for me, I light a candle each time. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the Holy Spirit's presence. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit doesn't come with the candle. It's just, it's a, it's a practice. It's a discipline. And so I'll go downstairs, I'll make a cup of coffee and I'll sit. Sometimes it, like I said, it's, a few moments, sometimes it's longer. Right. And then from there, I, I listen to where the spirit is leading me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's um, pouring myself out in prayer. Sometimes it's reading a portion of scripture. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's that I am recognizing that I am overloaded with distractions in my mind. Yeah. So what I need to do is I need to journal and get those thoughts out. Sure. And so, um, those are usually the tendencies of where I go, but my morning 
ritual yes. and routine is very important to me. And the whole world can tell when I haven't had my morning routine. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm the same way. Oh, my kids are like, mom, I don't think you lit your candle today. <laughs> It's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, they, they know, they can feel it. And my team can feel it. Um, you sure. know, there's been other seasons where I've done other practices. There was a yeah. season in the life of the church where um, I didn't take any morning meetings. Um, yeah. Part of that was because I knew that I needed my first hours of the day to be my most productive hours of the day. Right. I needed to sit with God. I needed to know what, how he was calling me to lead and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I literally would like post a sign on my door in a very important meeting with the commander in chief, meaning mm-hmm. God, right. do not come in, um, you know, and so things like that. Um, That's good. And so there's been different, those morning rituals though are very important to me. Reading yeah. is hugely important to me learning from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm into this uh, app right now called um, Blink, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, um, it sends me a different leadership book every single day. Huh. And you can read the book in a blink. I think that's the name of the app. I could be wrong. Um, I'll send it to you after this. It's great. Yeah, we'll put it in because I, sometimes I feel like, oh, I, have, I haven't read that book. I haven't caught up on that thing yet. And so it's a way to like kind of download the book real quick. So um, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important for each of us. You're right. It, 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 it's understanding a little bit of our wiring and how we most connect with God, where, you know, how we best learn. Because I think even that is different for all of us, but it's the intentionality behind it. And I think for so many of us, if we're not intentional to go, this is how I have to pour into and develop myself, then it just drifts. Yes. And it overflows, you know, I mean, like your kids know it and your staff oh, know totally. it. If you've not totally. had that time, totally. same yeah. with me. Uh, yeah. And so we can't, you know, you guys all hear me say all the time, lead yourself well to lead others better. Like it is just that key. And it's the thing we often sacrifice. So thanks Jeannie for just giving us a little insight into Absolutely. what that looks like for you, because I find time and time again, and you guys are hearing it in these interviews on the podcast that uh, great leaders are super intentional about this. It's like, it is one of the key common denominators of leaders who are really living with significant purpose and seeing the fruit of that outcome. Yeah. And so you've been in. Yeah. And I would just that. say, you know, you've got to figure out what works for you. Uh, listen to other leaders, listen to podcasts. I do. I, I learn from all kinds of leaders. I learned from you, Jenny, so many others, you know, and I, I'm so curious about their rhythms and their um, rituals and their practices and what makes them better and, and all those things. And it's not a one size fits all. You have to figure out who you are as a leader and how you best grow and how you best practice those disciplines for yourself, you know? And um, so I, yeah. Well, and I find that in the season I'm in also dictates what I need. Like I have had some seasons where I definitely need more time of taking in and much more reading and much more like, you know, obviously prayer is the, should be the consistent theme, but there are seasons where I need more time on my knees asking God for clarity and direction than other seasons. And, uh, and then just, I'll know if it's an, I call it an input season. Mm-hmm. This is an input season. This is a season where I need to be really learning and growing and doing a disproportionate amount of time in taking things in. And then the season might shift 
but I, I have to know what works for me and what is my season? What does my season require of me? And those two things kind of help me kind of figure out what does the rhythm look like right yeah. now? Yeah. So Jeannie, one last question um, before we wrap up, how do you feel like you lead differently now than you did a decade ago? Like if you could go back and you're learning from that, you know, like mm -hmm. the, over the last decade, how have you changed or grown as a leader? Yeah. I mean, it would be even better to ask the people that I've led. <laughs> yes. That would be a fun follow-up um, podcast. Um, right. But this is what I would hope they would say. Mm -hmm. Jeannie leads with less control. Uh, uh, and I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I know we didn't even get into Enneagram and you're oh. so good in this space. So we may have to do part two. Oh yes. I, I am a, a deep, deep lover of the Enneagram. Uh, in fact, you know, we, every person on our team lives it, follows it, you know, I mean, it's, it's a huge part of our uh, culture, but anyways, so I'm an eight on the Enneagram and the vice of the eight is power and control. Mm -hmm. And so that is the thing that, uh, the eight is always looking for. How can I be in control of the situation? How can I be in control of this person? How can I be in control of the future? How can I be in control of basically right. all things? <laughs> and um, so I have disproportionately tried to put myself in settings where I am out of control mm. wow. so that I learn what it feels like to be okay with the grip, not so tight. Right. And so, you know, if I look at who I was 10 years ago and I look at who I am today, I, I see growth. I see change. I see transformation. That's why I say, I'm so glad the mission of this church works on me because, uh, and maybe it's just getting older and I'm realizing, oh gosh, all that stuff I thought I was in control of, I never was anyway. Anyway, right? Yeah. But I think that who I am as a leader is a less controlling leader. And so some of that is I am way more open to the feedback of others. Mm -hmm. I'm way more open to people saying, Hey, this is what it's like to be on the other side of you. I, I don't, um, push that away. I invite that in. Yeah. Um, and so I've created a feedback culture. Some days I love that I created that. Some days I don't, um, <laughs> because now that I've created it, people it, get it. Um, it's there. Yeah, it happens. Um, so I think that that would be the largest mark difference in oh, point, the yeah. less controlling leader. And, you know, the other side of control, ultimately the opposite of it is vulnerability. Yeah. And I would say that I have become a much more vulnerable leader, a much more squishy and soft and tender. Yeah. And um, I like that. I like that. And, you know, 10 years ago, I think I was really, really um, passionate about being strong and knowing where we were going and having our plan and being real clear. And, you know, those things are important, but they're not nearly as important as letting somebody see your heart and knowing sure. who you are and yeah. leading from a place of tenderness as much as leading from a place of, of toughness. Right. So yeah, I, I think that is uh, me. I'm finding my inner teddy bear and letting yeah. people see it. <laughs> I love it. And it is so true of you. That is, that is, that does come, that's one of the things I love so much. You have such a 
confidence and strength that comes from the beautiful side of your Enneagram eight, right? Mm -hmm. That beautiful strength and confidence that uh, really provides uh, just stability for people that you lead, but coupled with that sensitivity, your inner teddy bear. I love it. (laughs) Um, But that is, that is you, Jeannie. That's what I experienced from you. And I know it's what your, your team experiences too. And it's because you've been intentional about your growth as a leader. It's because you've You've done the hard work. That question, all of you that are listening, you need to hear, um, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Mm-hmm. Love yeah. that to a few of your team members yeah. and um, actually good. cover it in prayer and listen well, because that kind of feedback is gold in order for us to grow and to develop, to be who God's designed us to be and to serve the people that we're, we're responsible for leading, right? Yeah. Like, if we're not open to feedback and creating mechanisms where we're really getting true and honest feedback, it inhibits our growth and therefore we're not able to serve and lead uh, our teams effectively. Yeah. So It makes such a difference. And uh, mm-hmm. I just had our leadership team a few months ago do that exercise. I said, I want you to go to, you know, three to five people and ask yeah. them that question. And, yeah. you know, the feedback that they brought back and the feedback that I got, it was just such a good, rich, uh, seeing of ourselves and we can't lead ourselves well. We can't see ourselves well. And oftentimes people have to hold up the mirror for us. Mm -hmm. And we have to invite them to do that because here's the the danger as a leader. We're like, Oh yeah, I've created a culture where people give feedback. Well, unless you're actively asking the question and actively asking and setting the stage for it, they're still not giving it to you. So I think we cannot lull ourselves. And if you haven't created a culture, they're giving it to somebody else. And that's equally dangerous. For sure. So, you know, if you don't invite it to yourself, then your, your team and your people are going to start sharing it with other people. Somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Whole nother. We could, I mean, I think we could spin off like a whole full on series of podcasts. Yeah. So good to have you and thanks for your just faithfulness. I love your example of faith and obedience. Like you and Jarrett have just demonstrated that so, so, so well, uh, coupled with your commitment to just intentional growth as humans, as Christ followers, as leaders, there's, you guys just model that really beautifully. And so I'm so glad we got to hear from you today. Mm. Thanks yeah. Jenny, for having me. I'm so so excited about your show and I am honored to be a part of it. Well, tell us how we can stay connected to you. I know you're on all the social stuff. So tell us where to find you. I'm on all the social platforms, but the one that I use the most is Instagram. So you can find me there, uh, Jeannie Stevens. Uh, you can also follow along on our journey of a church, uh, you know, and, and the leading of that soul city church is, is so much of, yeah. You know, I, I pour myself out there. So to you can see your leadership in action. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, all the social platforms for our church as well. Great. Awesome. We'll put that stuff in the show notes too. So you guys can find that and click through and follow along with Jeannie and the Soul City team. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Be with you.